everybody, and welcome to Busted Business Bureau. I am your host, Christian Borky. I'm sitting at the Lincoln Lodge Theater. The Lincoln Lodge produces this podcast, and it is the place to be. I certainly have been here for work for the past, like, four days. <laughs> but I love being here. My guest today is a returning guest, a first in the history of Busted Business Bureau. It is the head editor of They Call Us. You should follow that right now on all social media. It's my friend, KP. Hi. Oh, my God. The, the fans are going to be stoked to have you back and if you are a new fan who didn't listen to kp's episode now's the fucking time it is your wake-up call uh it's io theater it was episode six and it was a fan favorite (laughs) everyone who's on this podcast is a fan favorite but you are so near and dear to my heart and i'm glad to have you back and how are you doing what's up with you I'm good. I'm a little tired, but that's alcohol's fault. So I'm good. <laughs> so the answer is more alcohol. So yeah, would like to... that fixes like all problems. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So KP is drinking a cocktail from the Lincoln Lodge. It's a pedal pusher punch. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the best bartender here. Oh, stop. <laughs> I am the sexiest bartender here, I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So KP, picture this. It's the year 2007. Mm-hmm. Green Day is popular. <laughs> <laughs> the ennui of that one MacBook filter. <laughs> is, are you getting a vibe? I you see did. it. <laughs> also happening in 2007, people are naming climate change as an issue that they're worried about. And there emerges a picture, a literal picture, of Cardinal Paul Popard in the Vatican City. Religion. You ever heard of it? Um, I think I'm vaguely familiar. <laughs> All right. He stood for the flash of cameras at the Vatican in the summer of 2007 beneath an image of Jesus healing a blind man, and he accepted a gold-framed certificate declaring the papal city, quote, the first carbon-neutral sovereign state. The plan was that an entire forest would be planted in the in a remote Hungarian village. The for-profit company Klimafa would provide hundreds of jobs to the impoverished residents, I guess, of this remote Hungarian town. And it would vibes. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be easy as the publicity from that photo meant that hundreds more people were buying carbon offsets from Klimafa so they could afford to pay the workers in this remote village to plant this entire forest for the Vatican, which they were going to do, like, Klimafa was going to do it for free for the Vatican to suck up all of the carbon that the Vatican City is putting out into the world. It would be sucked in by this, all the trees in this remote Hungarian forest. Yeah, because capitalism is known for doing such good things Innovation. for the community. Yeah. yeah. The mayor of the village of Tizakazi told the residents that along the Tiza River would stand a better future. The Vatican City was leading the world in fighting climate change by becoming, again, the first carbon-neutral sovereign state. But here's the thing. They never planted the trees. <laughs> Not a single one? No. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, not a single tree has been planted in this forest to offset the Vatican City. Klimafa closed abruptly a few months later with no record. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> How many offsets they sold that they never delivered on. KP. This is going to be an episode about climate change, but it's not going to be doom and gloom because I'm not here for doom, gloom. I'm not a scientist. I don't understand math. (laughs) I can't read. But this episode is going to be about scams, mostly the scam that is the carbon offset industry. Are we familiar? I'm familiar with the fact that a lot about climate change is a scam and a lie. Fair. (laughs) You're a climate change denier? (laughs) isn't real (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh 
I hope to make a climate change episode that is fun. It's for the girls. It's got grifts. It got, it's got gags. It's for the for the dykes. <laughs> <laughs> Sassy little climate change. Sassy little climate change episode. <laughs> Have you ever shipped something with USPS or UPS? Sorry, you ship something with UPS and it says you can make your delivery carbon neutral by like paying an extra couple cents, or mm-hmm. you check out at Jewel Osco and they say round up your change for the planet. You get on a plane, and it's like 30 fucking extra dollars to make your flight carbon neutral. I, in my imagination, I picture my payment going towards something like more fuel-efficient gas or like a, a cardboard box that's fully recyclable or some fanciful, different, better future. But because I'm a dumbass <laughs> and my imagination is wrong, even though I clownishly do it every single time, I'm always like, yeah, let me fight for the planet. It's not like that. Because I have an active imagination, I opt into it. But every time, here's what they do. They take that money, any really given corporation, and they donate it to an environmental nonprofit. The nonprofit can be a tree planting sort of nonprofit, like Klimafa, or a deforestation nonprofit, which is a little harder for companies to sell because deforestation is not as sexy as planting trees. Like MasterCard has a thing for every dollar you spend, we'll plant one tree. Like one ex- every extra mm-hmm. dollar you spend. It you sounds know. better to do something than to stop to not do doing something. something. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Slay. <laughs> <laughs> in the U.S. in UPS's case, it's a few different places. One of them would be the Arbor Day Foundation. Now, I erroneously believed from a TikTok I saw that. Companies take your donation, they donate it to a nonprofit, and then they get a tax write-off. It's like this cynical belief that your donation will make life easier for them. Mm-hmm. That is not true. Uh, I thought from this tech talk it was true, but it's not true. So I'm, I'm starting off with some hard-hitting journalism. I will be rounding up now. Because <laughs> I stopped rounding up for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> like at the Walgreens, I've stopped rounding up, but you, like it really does go to this place. <laughs> I, and you can, in fact, deduct it off your taxes if you itemize your taxes, but fucking nobody does. So I guess you don't really get that much out of it other than making the world a better place. That warm, fuzzy feeling. The warm, fuzzy feeling of checking out at the Walgreens with your hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to track the supply chain of once you have donated, where does your money go? What does it do? What does it do for the planet? Who's doing it? Is it environmentally friendly? And... How does it get certified as environmentally friendly? That's a question that I'm really interested in. Yeah. So this is going to be a different kind of episode. This is this isn't about Klimafa, even though it'd be hilarious. I could make one about Klimafa. <laughs> zero trees. Oh my god! <clears throat> I almost choked on my own spit. <laughs> so excited to tell you. Um, the same guy. His name is Russ George. This isn't even in my script. I'm just going to tell you about it. Russ George. Uh, like that same year or the year before, got a different guy who was a known scammer. Like he was on parole for a huge scam he'd pulled. They each went in like $100,000 to buy this ship called Planktos or something. They found mm-hmm. out a company called Planktos to buy a ship to <laughs> dump like 10 like tons of iron into the Pacific Ocean with the hopes of generating some sort of plankton algae growth that would then suck in carbon i guess but famously dumping a shit ton of a foreign substance into the ocean is a bad idea sounds horrible (laughs) you don't even need to be a scientist to know like that sounds like a stupid idea and so a bunch of different nonprofits were like we will ram your ship if you try to do it they did it anyway fuck you up they did it anyway off the remote coast like a northern coast of a canadian 
archipelago. Is that the word? Whatever. I don't know. I see that word and I cry every time. (laughs) I'm not even reading it. I'm just trying to picture it. But yeah, they wound up doing it. And the effects are still unknown to this day of like how bad or good it was. They didn't do as much as they wanted to. I would assume bad. I think there's more salmon there now, which I think was also part of the goal was to get more salmon. But it's unclear if it's directly related to that or if it's like there's more salmon there now. Because salmon are probably fluck. I don't know. I was about to say something completely not founded in science. Are you not an expert in salmon migration? (laughs) (laughs) I I will become certified and I will come to you for part three. Yeah, the, the let's talk about the supply chain of or the, I guess not the supply chain the chain of events that happens once, once you've donated your damn money mm-hmm. so let's say you bought a product and it says this product is climate certified you ever get like laundry detergent or some bullshit like that yeah yeah you do that's that's you I feel I probably buy into a lot of greenwashing where I'm like <laughs> oh my god they say it's zero waste this feels good to me <laughs> I think the most greenwashed I've ever been was buying my diva cup and being a huge dick about it <laughs> I'm so self-righteous about my diva cup I just hopped on the diva cup train you did yes did I micro influence you probably <laughs> I was scared for a little bit I still am scared sure so you haven't done it yet I've done it. I'm okay. just still scared. Okay. And every time I take it out, I'm still scared. Have you taken it out with those those nails on you? Yes, and it hurts. Yeah, I, I put my nails on after I'd put my Diva Cup in and then didn't realize until like the next morning I had to take it out. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like two minutes away from being like, Hannah, can I need your help with something. <laughs> I love lesbians. <laughs> would have done it that's love they would have absolutely yes. done it <laughs> and i would do the same because <laughs> i'm we're all like that <laughs> if you're a straight listener you're getting led into a world beyond your comprehension turn away wow. now western man <laughs> <laughs> or help your girlfriend take out a diva cup yeah show yeah. her you love her show her you really love her get those get those meaty paws in there <laughs> clownery (laughs) there's very little regulation on climate certified products (laughs) take us back in i need you to think this through how many trees do you need to plant in order to suck up let's say the 100 tons of carbon that your company produces per week or what happens if the trees that you plant to suck up that carbon get cut down how will you ensure they're even planted in the first place these are questions that plague people who deal with climate certification or carbon offsetting that literally do not have answers. (laughs) If you spend enough money, the answer doesn't matter. (laughs) If you're rich enough, no one cares. No one gives a shit. There is something called a carbon neutral verification. It's a nonprofit. So this is what I'm going to talk about for the next, I don't know, five minutes. Uh... If you register with climateneutral.org, you can certify your products as climate neutral, uh, carbon neutral, climate neutral. Oh, it's climate neutral. Uh, so you get to put that cute little green sticker on your fucking laundry detergent. And idiots like us buy it. And idiots like us buy it. <laughs> so here's how climateneutral.org works. Quote, offsetting your company's entire carbon footprint is cheaper than you think. <laughs> Bleak. A good estimate is that it will cost about 0.5 to 1% of your annual revenue. So if your revenue for 2021 is $100 million, you can expect to pay $500,000 to offset your emissions this, this year. Mind your ass, this is a nonprofit that's getting that money, so that's an insane amount of shit to be pulling in. And they, I mean, like, this is 
very much a popular thing to do right now. So it's totally worth it for a company to be like, yeah, let's get climate neutral or whatever, which is throwing money at a nonprofit to just tell you you're climate neutral. <laughs> so here's what they do. You can get certified carbon credits. And if you get enough carbon credits, then you get the little sticker or whatever. This feels like Cole's cash. <laughs> <laughs> not think of a better metaphor for it just get a bunch of fake credit and then yeah. you trade it in yeah. and they tell you you did a good job mm-hmm. that's ex- literally that's exactly what it is one quote one carpet credit is a certified gener is a certificate generated when someone takes an action to eliminate or avoid the emission of one metric ton of greenhouse gas emissions entities that develop carbon eliminating or avoiding projects can produce carbon credits which are then verified by a third party what that means that was just the website i was reading there's a few different carbon credits you can earn For example, and I'm not joking, you can literally earn a carbon credit if you pay money for them, the climateneutral.org, to give to a different place in, like, let's just say India, to build a solar panel on, like, a farm that's being built. (laughs) So the money that you have paid to Climate Neutral goes to India to build this solar panel on a farm, and I guess the energy that is saved, or the, I guess solar panel is a bad example, but, you know, something Mm -hmm. climate neutrally. Uh, so the carbon that that doesn't emanate, I guess, cancels out all the carbon that you do emanate. And that counts. <laughs> so you've done nothing to change your factory. You haven't added any solar panels. You haven't changed your fuel to be more efficient. You haven't used recyclable yeah. materials. You have not done a fucking thing to your business. You've just paid for somebody else to build something that, mind you, is still not necessarily climate zero. It's just less carbony than it could be <laughs> and i feel like the carbon of building the thing mm-hmm. so theoretically i could like burn down a forest but then also be like i planted a tree oh my god that's literally where we're going <laughs> <laughs> and you could sell the land of that first forest you burnt down to plant the trees to then like in theory in a hundred years when they grow up to be full i actually don't know how long it takes a tree to grow up that's really embarrassing <laughs> I feel like someone's going to clown me for that. <laughs> TikTok roast Christian. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be, uh, yeah, so you can make a ton of money doing that. Uh, perverse incentive, whatever. So anyway, so since that random place in India will be green, you've paid for it. You can keep doing whatever you were doing because you paid for it. That's how you can get a carbon credit. Does that sound like bullshit to you? Because it fully is. Yes. <laughs> Climateneutral.org also does require that you make a plan to make your company you know reduced carbon so again your imagination must be sparked Mm -hmm. what kind of things go into this plan quote you do not need to quantify your reduction goals but we recommend it (laughs) so for this is also them for example saying we'll switch our materials to recycled materials is okay but We'll switch 70% of our aluminum purchases to recycled aluminum is an even better goal. An even better option is to align with science-based targets. I'll um, capitalize for some reason, like science-based targets. Developing a target like we're committing to buying 100% of green power in 2021, which will reduce our scope to emissions by 22 tons of carbon. So they're saying we suggest that your plan that you make is quantifiable and actionable. We suggest it. We recommend it. Uh, so you might ask, how are we held accountable for those goals for climateneutral.org? I'm assuming they're not. You will be required to report on your reduction progress annually. Your progress is included on your brand profile page on our website. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone at Target is thinking, hey, before I buy this like green, eco-friendly laundry detergent, mm-hmm. I want to look it up, mm-hmm. which 
no one on the history of the earth no, has ever done. Absolutely not. You already have to take a shit at this target. Like, you got to go. Yeah. I'm like, it's in the cart. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but a mythical world where we stop and Google, you'd have to go to this page and then mm-hmm. look at the, the brand profile. The brand profile. Look through the reports and, and compare year over year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And be disappointed that they have not reached their target goals, assuming they even put numbers in them at all, which they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how that's how climateneutral.org keeps you accountable for your actions for the planet, which is hysterical. Yes. <laughs> right? I'm glad that we're still f- finding this funny because, I, again, I want to, I don't need to emphasize this, but I'm like, this is silly and for the girls today. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you're not depressed listening to this. The planet burning is just like a fun, hot time. It's goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Their claim is that they're helping the world become carbon neutral by 2050. Bold claim. Bold. That is the amount of carbon. So th- this is the claim. The amount of carbon we produce will be safely absorbed by the planet, which is insane because it's not changing companies to produce less or do recycle stuff or produce zero carbon. It's doing other stuff to keep up with how much carbon we're already producing. Which Do you we're understand? producing like more and more, more, and more year over year. Yes, yeah, so you you would need a bigger planet with more trees. <laughs> how many trees do you think there are? Not enough. No, but like how many? But like how, how many do you think there are? Give me a number. <laughs> My guess is like a hundred thousand, but I, that can't be enough. You think there's a hundred thousand? That's trees? not enough. What's like a really big number? <laughs> One million. <laughs> Google estimates. This is like a one quick Google search. Three trillion. Oh my god. <laughs> one million trees. <laughs> I really put you on the spot. I didn't mean to roast you like that. But I, I should have said my guess first, but I already knew the answer, so it would have been a lie. <laughs> my first guess was a really big number, to be fair. <laughs> I love that, but I'll collect myself. So the way that carbon sucking is mostly achieved, that's a term coined by me, carbon sucking. I like it. Is mostly achieved by planting trees. Hardly any carbon sucking efforts are deforestation, even though that's more effective than planting trees. Yeah, keeping the trees that we already have Mm -hmm. sounds like a good plan. It is a good plan because they're already sucking in carbon. And, oh my God, did you know this? I didn't know this. When you cut down a tree, all the carbon it sucked up just goes back into the air. What? I did not know that. But it is an easily Googleable fact. So when you cut down the tree, just goodbye progress. (laughs) <laughs> and I guess the tree's gonna die anyway and at some point it will be released back in but the unnatural pace at which yeah. we're cutting down the trees is part of the huge problem isn't that nuts that is insane it's not nuts so if the company theoretically is like still just cutting down a bunch of trees mm-hmm. so they're like releasing all of this carbon mm-hmm. and then going but look at this shrub I put in my yard <laughs> <laughs> like it might be tunias <laughs> <laughs> These petunias stop climate change. (laughs) Don't look in the backyard where I burned it down, (laughs) the petunias. So we're going to get back to trees in a second, but let me take a step back and talk about international politics because I have to use my degree somehow. (laughs) Why did I think your degree was in theater? You know what? That's a common misconception. My uh, Sarah's degree is in theater. My degree is in Chinese and international relations. This is actually blowing my mind. <laughs> not a lot of people know that about me. They would yeah. not assume that. <laughs> I would have flip-flopped it, yeah. definitely. One of us did a stand-up set for their final in college, and one of us got published in an undergraduate academic journal. And I know my guess is wrong. And your guess is wrong. 
the Kyoto Protocol, 1997, a bunch of countries get together and they say, climate change, what a problem. It's the 90s. <laughs> Green Day isn't popular yet. <laughs> no, they're kind of popular in the 90s. 94, they were fine. Coming up. Yeah, they're coming up. Carbon offsetting is, they come up with the main tenets of international carbon offsetting, which is basically like the moneyfication of climate change. The fundamental premise of carbon offsets is that if you're trying to shave your carbon emissions from your power plant in Canada, we've already talked about this, then you, you know, if you don't want to upgrade your damn facility, you can pay money. That money goes to a different project in a different country to build something that is, I guess, in theory, carbon zero, but is never in practice. So this is the agreement because the United States wanted flexibility and other countries wanted more funding to actually build fucking projects. So <laughs> I guess that was the win-win that came out of it. Does that sound unscientific? Because it is. I'm not a scientist. I can't sit here and be like carbon offsets are entirely bad. Like it's good that there's some projects out there that are being built. But of course, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nowhere near enough, which I, I don't want to get doom and gloomy, but that's the reality, you know? So uh, also of note, the, the Kyoto Protocol stipulated that countries would get credit that could be turned into cash, so they could literally get money from... Coles Cash? They could get Coles Cash for destroying this one thing called hydrofluorocarbon-22. You don't need to know what that is. Okay. But it's a real priority to destroy. You can make some serious shmoney doing it. However, it seems that HFC-22 is easy to destroy, I guess. Don't quote me on any of this. But it's also easy to create by releasing HFC-23 into the air. So a bunch of countries started blasting HFC-23 into the air so they could de destroy the HFC-22 <laughs> for cash, <laughs> creating a worse problem than what started. <laughs> and there's no like international regulatory body forbidding it. So <laughs> you'll pay me to fix the problem. Let me just make a huge mess. <laughs> yeah. You know that story about snakes in India? When Oh, my God. It's like the story of perverse incentives. In British-ruled colonial India, this is like a, I think it's just like a tall tale. I don't know how true this is. Okay. But there was a real rattlesnake problem, and so the British government was like, anyone who turns in, like, the head of a rattlesnake will get money because we want less snakes. But then people started breeding snakes to then cut off, you know, their heads and bring it into the government. And then the government was like, oh, everyone's just breeding snakes. We're dismantling this program. So everyone who had bred snakes just released their snakes, <laughs> making the snake problem worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that's what we're doing with and the scene. environment <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah so that's not talking about invisible gas no one cares about gas let's talk about an australian guy i'm going to show you a picture uh take a look upon this man i will post him on my instagram or i'll post him somewhere else he is david nilsson a carbon cowboy is what he's been dubbed as in in the papers it's not even a little hat there's not even a little hat but no he's balding oh we could use a little hat like a tiny tiny little hat up there <laughs> That'd be adorable. <laughs> He's holding up a picture of himself in a newspaper, which is his... St he looks so broken. He looks so sad. He does. <laughs> and he's not even sad in the article. He's completely happy to be here. Carbon cowboys are people who sell indigenous land, often without their informed consent, to make money from like the, the forests or whatever that it sits on, to make money doing carbon offsetting. The so this is all quoted from the Sydney Morning Herald in 2011. Quote, The Australian property developer David Nilsson is not seeking rubber or gold, but the carbon dioxide locked up in millions of hectares of lush Amazon rainforests east of the Iquitos. 
The targets of Nielsen's carbon offsets uh, promises are the Mastis, a collection of indigenous tribes people who still hunt with bows and arrows in roadless forests six days east of Iquitos by boat. They are nicknamed the cat people because of the tribal custom of threading a spray of plant fibers through their noses, which I didn't need to include, but it just was cool. <laughs> I like it. It's really cool. <laughs> more importantly, from a carbon trader's point of view, they are traditional owners of more than 400,000 square kilometers of pristine jungle. The Mastis communities are almost impossible to reach alone, and they rarely e- even like meet among themselves because they're so dispersed. Quote, they have no telephones, no electricity, and they certainly have no lawyer that can translate documents for them, explains Israel Akise Lizarbe, a local representative from Purdue's main, Peru's main indigenous organization, ADACIP. I didn't bother looking up what the acronym was for. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, David Nilsson, I'm talking about him like his household name. He's not. I'm just obsessed with him because I'm crazy. <laughs> He first traveled to the Iquitos in April of last year, which is 2010. Quote, he promised these people that he would make them rich and share half of any profits from using their land as a carbon sink with local people. He impressed them with a PowerPoint presentation. Wow. I live. <laughs> if I've never seen a PowerPoint presentation before, I don't know what my reaction would be. I don't know if impressed is the right word. I think anything. I'd be like, seems legit. I think I'd be dismayed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, What are these little boxes on a screen? Why are they flying at me? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like the box flew in. I believe whatever it says. <laughs> but the draft, quote, joint venture agreements he presented to the tribal leaders had a clause saying that the contracts must be kept secret and showing them to anyone else would constitute a material breach. Uh, problematic to start. According to a local press report, which is the thing he was holding up, Nilsson told them that the agreements obtained by the Herald were written only in English and not Spanish because the World Bank and United Nations only recognize the English language and the law of England and Wales for carbon projects. KP, that is not true. No, that's a bold <laughs> lie. That is simply untrue. I, it, I don't think it says it in the article, but I'm pretty sure most of the people in this tribe can't read anyway. But even if they were able to read it, it is not in their language. <laughs> And so they're unable to really get into the nitty-gritty of this uh, contract. They are simply told, again, that they're going to make, like, millions of dollars uh, for question mark, question mark, question mark. Sorry, I was reaching for my phone because I wanted to see what time it was. Oh, fantastic. All right. So uh, he does this in several places and is kicked out of several places because a lot of people are like, fuck that. Yeah. (laughs) And the person he was traveling with soon began to suspect that Nilsson was not only claimed to be, and relations between the pair soured. It also emerged that Nilsson's Carbon Sustainable Resources Limited company was not the international carbon trading entity it appeared to be, and had no actual office or staff. (laughs) The company, registered in Hong Kong, had a website that, a year later, is still under development. (laughs) (laughs) You could get on Wix for like $7 a year and just pretend, my man. My brother in Christ. You can get a Wix account. Not that hard. No. (laughs) Fire scammers so bad at making websites. So fucking bad at it. It's so easy. And yet they, they make it and it looks like a scam. They just give themselves away. Yeah. Yeah. It's beyond me. It is beyond me. Are you ever going to make the website for that uh, clothing bin place? (laughs) (laughs) That is a niche reference. (laughs) Listeners of the pod will have to go all the way back to episode one for that one. I'm here for the real fans. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to message him on Facebook again and be like, oh, I took a class. (laughs) I could do it for you. So Nelson is far from the only person doing this sort of carbon cowboy-ing. And I feel like it must again be said that what he's trying to sell, trees from forests or whatever being protected, is a completely invisible entity. He's selling the sucked up carbon from the trees, which literally cannot, like, I think it can be calculated, but there's, like, 
there's so many other factors that make it incalculable like a one-to-one like yeah your company produces this much and these trees produce this much it doesn't work like that that's as much as i can tell you because i'm not a scientist and i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) there's a woman though named lisa song who works for propublica who is my queen I live for her. She went all the way to Acre, Brazil to check in on carbon offsite projects. Once the Kyoto Protocol happened in 1997, there were a lot of promises that this is going to happen in the Amazon or this is going to happen in Brazil. And she was like, hm, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> so years later, I don't know if I wrote down what year she did this, but it, it, at some point in the 2000s, she goes, she gets mad about it. She goes all the way to Acre, Brazil to check in on it. There, she writes, quote, 5,000 miles away in California, politicians, scientists, oil tycoons, and tree huggers are bursting with excitement over the idea of carbon offsets. The state is the second largest carbon polluter in America. Its oil and gas industry emits about 50 million metric tons of CO2 a year. What if Chevron or Shell or Phillips 66 could offset some of their damages by paying Brazil, paying Brazil to not cut down their trees? The desperate hunger for these carbon credit plans appears to have blinded many of their advocates to the mounting pile of evidence that they haven't and won't deliver on the promise. I looked at the projects going back two decades and spanning the globe and pulled together findings from academic researchers in far-flung forest villages, studied published in studies published in obscure journals, foreign government reports, and dense technical documents. I enlisted a satellite imagery analysis. My God, she's so mad and I love her. I enlisted a satellite imagery analysis firm to see how much of the forest remained in a preservation project that started selling credits in 2013. Four years later, only half of the project areas were even forested. In case after case, I found that carbon credits hadn't offset the amount of pollution they were supposed to, or they had brought gains that were quickly reversed or that couldn't be accurately measured to begin with. Ultimately, the polluters got a guilt-free pass to keep emitting CO2, but the forest preservation that was supposed to be the balance of the ledger never came or didn't last. If the world were graded on historic reliability of carbon offsets, the result would be a solid F. (laughs) (laughs) And there's way more details in her article of, like, all this stuff. I was just sort of reading her summary of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in one part, she talks about the people who are supposed to enforce adhering to climate standards in the forest. So, like, loggers illegally cutting down trees. Uh, This is what she writes, quote, to collect fines, there's no mail service, no credit card invoice. Uh, The team spends weeks trekking through the forest, sleeping in hammocks and confronting loggers in person. Some can pay the fine, which amounts to about $2,400. Many are too poor. And then they can't do anything. (laughs) So they just go like they camp out in the woods, Uh try and find you and go, hey, don't do that. Pay me money. And you go, I can't. They go, oh, well, still like. Stop, stop, please. Stop. <laughs> Most are like, what fucking money? Like, I live in the forest. <laughs> this is my home. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, practically, there are many, many reasons why carbon offsets just do not work. And I guess I didn't realize that I just made a hit piece episode <laughs> on carbon offsets. Because I did, I kind of wanted to land not super negative, but I guess the more I'm reading, the more I'm like, man. I mean, it is, we're in a bad situation. It's whack. And I think I want to return to why I'm doing this episode. And it's not, again, to be doom and gloom. I think it's just to be more informed that the things that you purchase, your $30 Expedia purchase or whatever, it makes you feel good and it's supposed to make you feel good. And that's what they're selling. They're not selling a better future. And that's not something you could just like sit on your couch and buy. Ultimately, this is getting maybe to the point a little too early, but consuming less is kind of the best individual action you can take. Not consuming more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like the harder one. That's what we really need to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ugh, it's so annoying. But it doesn't have to be annoying, and it can be something small and personal. It doesn't have to be you've overhauled your entire life. But it's also not spending 30 extra dollars on your flight to Cancun. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was doing for the environment. I was spending $40 to my Cabo Verde (laughs) (laughs) trips. (laughs) These problems also get political, though. Like, um, (laughs) in Pakistan, there was supposed to be some sort of carbon offset project of planting a forest and activists came all the way out they planted the damn thing nobody asked the local residents to do it and so they uprooted every single oh my god that's so petty (laughs) so petty i assume there's way more behind it that i just didn't get in this daily mail article or whatever that i got it from or no it was uh from the week (laughs) it's so much better as the story of like you didn't invite me to your party so (laughs) afterwards i came and messed everything up threw all the chips on the Round. No more guac for you for three weeks. You're going to have to clean avocado out of your rug. <laughs> <laughs> but according to the residents, the government didn't take their permission before planting the trees. The Pakistan Tariq-e-Isnaf government, led by Prime Minister Irman Khan, has launched a, the biggest tree plantation drive on Sunday to plant 3.5 million saplings across the country in a day. The participants of the plantation drive tried to negotiate with the protesters, <laughs> but in vain. <laughs> <laughs> kind of slay. Because <laughs> I doubt... Uh, what I can get from this paragraph is not that they just don't want trees. It was it has to do with the land or what it's going to do to the natural ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also, you can't just blindly plant a tree into the ground. I hope. Have you told corporate America this? No, <laughs> they won't return my calls. <laughs> I'm begging better help to. <laughs> because I'm sure they really want to be on my podcast. <laughs> And additionally, so, yeah, so you need the right tree to go in the right spot because nature is delicate. It's a as balance. strong as it is, it is a balance. And just randomly plopping. Honestly, there are some programs where they'll just get in a plane and just, like, dump 400,000 <laughs> like pounds of seeds out of the ground and hope that, like, squirrels plant it or, like, it lands hard enough. To, like, it's not even how gardening works. Yeah. <laughs> It is bold. That's usually like in disaster areas that they do it. They just like, plop. <laughs> just threw it in the yard and hope for the best. Just pray. Uh, in addition to the political problems that come up, uh, activists are often excluded from these conversations, i.e. Tom Goldtooth, the executive director of the Indigenous Environmental Network, went to um, COP26 in Glasgow and had this to say of the experience. We're here and we still don't have a seat at the table. In some areas of the venue, we literally don't have access and they're very critical in terms of negotiations. So we're forced to try and grab people in the hallways. <laughs> Slay. <laughs> I, love I love that for him. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, despite all of these political issues, tree planting is a very popular way of being carbon neutral. Do, are you familiar with YouTube's hashtag team trees? No. Oh my God. That was so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) YouTube crowdfunded. It was this thing called team trees and they were like, for every, you know, dollar or whatever that gets donated, we're going to don't, we're going to plant a fucking tree. And it's with, oh God, I don't think I wrote down. I think it's with the Arbor Day Foundation. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) But it, they they crowdfunded, like, I want to say well over $35 million 
to plant a ton of trees. It was led by Mr. Beast. Do you know who that is? No. But he's he's the richest YouTuber. I think he's the most well-paid YouTuber on the platform. And he does, like, game content. He doesn't, like, play games. He'll, like, make games. He unironically did a squid game thing in real life, like, with sets and costumes and everything, and really had, like, I mm-hmm. want to say 400 people doing it, uh, and saw absolutely no irony with genuinely giving someone $400,000 for winning it. And this person was like, I'm going to pay off my student loans. <laughs> life squid game. He did. And uh, it's beautifully done in that like the sets were perfectly reenacted mm-hmm. and everything because it's a show for doing that. Yeah. And did people die? No, nobody died, unfortunately. <laughs> then what's the point? Eh, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't go all out, I guess I should say. But all of the... Yeah, so they were literally trying to plant all these trees. It was like this whole online internet campaign. And part of the problem also with trees is that... Tree diversity is very important. Mm-hmm. Slay diversity. Yes. For some reason, I wrote diversity slay. This palm tree is thriving in northern New Hampshire, and we're gagging. <laughs> Why did I write that down? Is this what it's like in your head? <laughs> <laughs> that is what it's like to be in my brain at all times. <laughs> so- um, also, this is where my printer ran out of ink, so I have to hold. I have to hoist my computer up because I was trying to print a lot of stuff all at once. Um, uh, my main question with this uh, program, this Team Trees thing, was once they donate all of this to, let's say, the Arbor Day Foundation, where do they get their seeds? How, like, where do they come from? <laughs> and now, oh, did I ruin the whole podcast? No. <laughs> You did not. I promise you. <laughs> now I'm wondering, like, where are they planting the trees? Mm-hmm. Are they actually thriving? Because as, like, a DIY mm-hmm. home gardener, not everything I plant lives. No. And that's a huge problem. And one another huge problem with the seeds is, like, how viable are they? Which there's science. <laughs> I saw, like, a seed. It was, like, a picture of a seed that was under a little light, like, laser beam thing. Like, mm-hmm. it was getting, like, a like LASIK eye surgery. <laughs> <laughs> And you can tell how viable the seed's going to be based on, like, how like watery it is on the inside or sure. know, some shit. Science stuff. Yeah, science. Stupid science bullshit that I don't understand. <laughs> but the um, seed gathering industry, much like any sort of seasonal outdoor humans are picking stuff industry, mm-hmm. is rife with labor rights <laughs> horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because seed planting, unlike... The many horrors that come with, like, picking berries or wheat or whatever. Seed planting, you have to get up in the damn tree to go get it. Uh, or, uh, sorry, not seed planting, seed gathering. Yeah, yeah, Going up in the damn tree to get it. And oftentimes people are doing it in disaster areas to save any of the native species that are there. And so shit might be on fire around you while you're trying to climb on top of a tree, trying to grab a fucking, not a pine cone, but, you know, <laughs> something akin to a pine cone. I should have learned more science before I started this podcast. <laughs> I think that was where I really went wrong. Hope <laughs> you're not fully understanding how seeds grow. <laughs> I'm just more interested in, like, labor rights and yeah. that aspect of it. So then I put absolutely no effort into learning, like, w- how seeds germinate. <laughs> because I was like, I don't give a shit. Um, on average, this is according to a National Geographic article by, uh, what's her name? Kyla Mandel. Kyla Mandel wrote this National Geographic article. According to, 
Oh no, I lost it. Oh my god. On average, two collectors, this is of Ponderosa pine cone, on average, two collectors can gather 50 pounds of Ponderosa cone into at least 20 burlap sacks a day, at least 10 bushels, for a total daily earnings between $150 to $300, which isn't terrible money, but it is backbreaking, yeah. literally backbreaking labor. That amount of pine cones? And uh, there's roughly 50 collectors across 15 regional sites that work with drone seed, which is, <laughs> it, uh, the name is pretty accurate. They take drones and they like shoot seeds. <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing science with seeds. <laughs> uh, anyways, there are roughly 50 collectors across 15 regional sites that work with drone seed, including a network of around six people collected just under 10,000 bushels this season, less than half of the goal of 25,000 bushels. Another huge problem with this seed collecting industry is that nature is not the same every year. And so sometimes it, there's less of a yield because a tree spends less energy making seeds. That's the one bit of science I learned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's hard to pay people consistently for this kind of work. And mm -hmm. it's hard to consistently, uh, any consistency in it is not it, the name of the game, which under capitalism where you need a replicable result over and over again is not necessarily good yeah and so a lot of people who come here for you know farm work or who just are here already to do farm work uh it is not an attractive industry to go into especially because you need a very specialized skill of climbing a tree for real <laughs> yeah yeah do it what? I could not do it oh I thought you said you could do it and I was like gutsy no <laughs> you ever go rock climbing I've never once made it to the top Really? But you do go rock climbing? I've tried like a few times in my life. Ah, I see. So you don't think you could climb a tree? <laughs> I do not think I could. I just feel like humans should be able to do that. I feel like we should just have the gut instinct to do it. I know that you're right. It should be like a survival <laughs> thing. And yet. And yet. If you put me on a tree, I'd be like, I is mean, there a ladder? <laughs> I was literally not made to survive. I was quite literally not made to even reproduce. <laughs> I'm just a, a, a biological affront to the species. You're here to make people laugh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again, to recap. Somebody has climbed up a tree in a, the middle of a fire to make maybe $300 that day on a good day. To get a bucket of half-viable seeds to send to the Arbor Day Foundation, whose salaries were paid by a huge donation from, like, MasterCard, to plant trees in uncertain locations while your UPS driver takes the same damn car. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> summed it all up. I summed it absolutely all up, and I nailed it, and I slayed. Um, so, again, this carbon offset industry thing that I wanted to lay out is not viable for the survival of the planet Earth, which I didn't say to be doom and gloom. I just said, what an industry of scamming and craziness and uh, superb. <laughs> scamming the planet. Scamming, literally scamming the planet. It cannot be quantified, the types of um, things we need to do to solve climate change. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your take on it? It is definitely more than just getting the like recycled toilet paper from Whole Foods. Mm, yeah. 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 And you know what? This is not me preaching. I'm just saying for me, one of the individual actions that I am happy to do is not eating meat or eating less meat than others. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that is an achievable goal for many. Uh, if it's not, that's fine. There's no judgment here. Yeah. But, you know, at some point there is work that you need to put into it. And 
all right, I'm going to get on a hot take and I'm going to get canceled for this. <laughs> go, go, go. But every single person on the internet who's like, I, I can't go vegan. Like there's people out there who can't afford it. It's like, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the people that can't Are afford it? Are you the people that can't afford it? Or do you live in a studio in Lincoln Park? <laughs> Which is absolutely judgmental and catty of me. <laughs> but also valid. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's, it's, I'm catty and judgmental, but as, as a joke. <laughs> all for the laughs. Yeah, all for the giggles and hee-hees. But there is a, a lot of you out there who could go vegan. It's, you know, yeah. Or, yeah. Do, or do other stuff, you know? At least vegetarian. At least vegetarian, yeah. And just consuming less. That's really the main thing. Is consuming less is one of the best individual actions you can take. And here's me. I'm becoming the Joe Rogan show. Okay, are you ready? Go, go, go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Time for my opinions now. Uh, the people that try to say, well, it's 71% of global emissions are made by the same like 20 companies. Well, true. And consuming less is nothing but a good thing. And even small actions, like you're not going to save the planet by not eating Burger King on a Friday. And that's okay. But if everybody works together to do stuff, then we can get stuff done. <laughs> you can, in fact, vote with your dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, slay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just like stuff you can do. And I think the doom and gloom of saying, well, it's company's fault. It's company's fault. That's making the problem into a boogeyman. And I'm not saying you're a problem, but I'm just saying you can be part of the solution. And that's me being the Joe Rogan podcast. Go off. Thank you. I am ready and available to host Fear Factor (laughs) whenever (laughs) they call me back. (laughs) So um, how are you feeling? What's going on? (laughs) Emotional check-in? Yeah, emotional check-in. I'm feeling inspired to do more. Mm. There's a zero-waste store across from my office that I like checked out once and want to like make a regular part of my routine. Yeah. This goes with what you're saying and counteracts it. Love it. So do it. The duality. Say. I bought a sewing machine, which consumerism, yes. Slay. But my plan is to re like tailor old clothes and like thrift clothes. Hell yeah. So that I'm not buying new clothes anymore. Hell yeah. Wait, what part of sewing machine? What getting a sewing machine? Just get the damn sewing machine. I mean it was through Amazon, which like mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first step wasn't great. Bye. <laughs> I mean, everyone has to participate in society, you know? <laughs> Love that for you, though. Thank you. Thank you. So I look forward to getting my clothes tailored by you because I'm going to absolutely use it. Oh, absolutely. Sarah has a sewing machine and I haven't learned how to use it. And I, I have the time now. <laughs> I still haven't learned. It's because I'm a disappointing human being. <laughs> Do the harder thing and drive 30 minutes out of your way to drop it off at my house. Absolutely. Yeah, let me drive. (laughs) (laughs) So we've solved global warming? We did it. We solved it in this episode. Man, what a great one. Thank you. Uh, Next episode, we'll be solving racism and then sexism. (laughs) We're going through all of it. If you tune in, all of the world's problems will be solved by the Busted Business Bureau. So today, I am happy to put out two a bit shorter episodes because uh, they were getting a little lengthy. And you know, I was rambling. So these were <laughs> to the point. I told you exactly what needed to be happening. And then we're out. So you want to plug anything? Uh, Check out They Call Us. Yeah. It is a feminist literary magazine. We do activist work. So if you care about things check that out uh they donate call- to their patreon i'm in the cabin yes donate 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 then we could do things they call us.com uh, we are not printed on paper because we like trees so 
Ooh, okay, we're letting it back to trees. Yes. <laughs> uh, follow the Busted Biz Bureau on the social media. Follow the Lincoln Lodge, too. You should really be doing that, um, yeah. I feel. But this is the first day of recording episodes, because I recorded two in a day. Yeah, you're getting some behind-the-scenes action. <laughs> <laughs> the first day that I'm aware that people follow me on TikTok. <laughs> you, that is a lie. You've been aware of it for at least Oh, I'm week. aware. I've been aware of it, but I haven't recorded while being aware of it. Okay, like the Lockheed fair. Martin episode, like I recorded it before I had anything on TikTok. I had yeah. 20 followers on TikTok when I recorded <laughs> that episode. <laughs> I follow Christian's personal Instagram, so I've seen all of the stories. Of you are very well aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, you follow me on social media if you want, but I guess I'm not gonna lose sleep if you don't, because <laughs> plenty of other people are doing it for you. Leave a review. You know what? Leave a review. I got my first hater review <gasps> recently. Oh. It, Oh, it was hilarious. This person was like, <laughs> they were like, deplorable people aren't funny. Why are they laughing? <laughs> <laughs> so this podcast was not their cup of tea. No, no, no. <laughs> so you know what? Leave a review and tell me why you like laughing at deplorable people. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Like, I don't care. But I saw that and I was like, this is awesome. Because <laughs> this person clearly made several accounts to comment it on like all of my social media. Oh my God. It wasn't. It wasn't like a bombardment. I just like happened to notice it. And I was like, this is clearly the same person. <laughs> but all of the time and energy that takes. I know, to, to be a hater, which is cool. Wow. I know. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I was like, I love being famous. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, leave a review, please. And uh, I do, I, I technically have a Patreon, but I've never really plugged it. And nobody donates to it because I don't plug it. I told you to send me the link to your Patreon oh, and I, I would donate. Yeah, you never did. All right, fine. We'll send it the same $5 back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> That's building community. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's that's been the Busted Business Bureau, season two, episode three. Ooh. Cheers! I will see you back on the podcast later. That's uh, been KP. If if you like what they're about, um, follow other shit and tell them how great they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna do it right after this podcast because we're gonna go out and get some drinks. Yes. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>